Welcome to Being Better Podcast, where we explore the things that make us happier, wiser, and more productive beings. Hi, my name is Julia, and I am your host. Every week, I take a concept, a technique, or a story to learn how it can make us better. I hope that this show can help you become the person you've always wanted to be. So, here we go. beautiful friends and welcome to the being better podcast where we find ways to become people who are happy who are compassionate who are wise and healthy and also a little bit weird because i mean that can't hurt right anyway welcome to the show it is lovely to have you here with me and i hope that your day is going great so far i hope that your bus arrived on time that you didn't burn your morning toast and that you got a good night's sleep Uh, because of my recent trips to vienna and to berlin i have not been able to sleep a lot and i kind of i got excited when i came home and i thought that i'm gonna sleep more but then there was this book i mean i think you know the feeling when you get you know very invested in a book and you don't want to put it down and you don't want to go to sleep so you just stay up a little longer and then a little longer and then a little longer and then it's three hours later and your mind is blown because you just love the book and yeah well that is what happened with me and the book that is going to be my recommendation for this week and that is going to be drumroll please I don't know if you can tell that I've drum rolled with my fingers. Anyway, um, the recommendation is going to be the Percy Jackson series. And now I know that this is, you know, a children slash young adult series, but I just thought that, you know, damn, I love Harry Potter and I know you do too. And I really would love to go through reading something like this for the first time again. I love Harry Potter and I can reread it, but it's no, you know, I cannot go back to reading it for the first time. And because I heard a lot of recommendations for the Percy Jackson books, I decided to make them, you know, my easy summer read alongside some more serious nonfiction books that I'm reading at the moment. And man, I really, really like them. I think that the author is very witty and funny in the way he structures his plot and characters and and dialogue and i have actually laughed out loud while reading his books the characters which you know both are from greek myths and the ones that you know were created by him are both incredibly lovable and then also sometimes kind of conflicted which makes things more interesting i probably would love these books anyway because as a kid I used to love Greek myths so I kind of have this soft spot for these stories but I think the way the books introduce you to them to all the characters and stories from Greek mythology I think you don't really need to know a lot about it to still enjoy the series and I think it can actually be a nice introduction to to Greek mythology And now I know that there are two movies based on the books, uh, but now that I have actually read them, I can officially say that the movies are just pure garbage and the plot is 
completely different from what actually happened in the books. I mean, really, I don't know what the writers had in mind when they created the movies, but the story is not at all what happened in the books. So yeah, if you have seen the films and did not enjoy them, then I just would say that don't let that discourage you from reading uh, the books. So yeah, the Percy Jackson books are going to be my recommendation for this week. And if you feel like, you you know, you enjoyed Harry Potter, I think you're going to enjoy these books as well. I'm going to link um, the series in the episode description so you can have an easy access to that. And now let's get into the main topic of this week's episode, which is going to be happiness. And I think happiness is an interesting concept. I mean, it is a feeling that we are all trying to catch. You know, the search for happiness is something that we all base our lives on, our decisions on. We all want to, you know, get the job that we want to get, get into the college that we want to get into, get the partner that we always wanted to have because we feel like it's going to make us happier. And recently I felt like It is as if the more I focus on catching and achieving happiness, the more I feel like it's escaping through my fingers and I cannot really remain in that state of, you know, happiness and bliss. And it's weird because that usually happens when everything is fine. You know, when my life is going great, when I am perfectly fine and I'm healthy and my loved ones are great and my studies are going great. Yet sometimes I feel like, isn't this supposed to make me feel incredible? I mean, this is as good as it gets, you know, everything in my life is great. And on a scale of the lowest to maximum happiness, why am I not a perfect 10 if everything is great? And then I sort of feel guilty for not being the happiest I can be. And therefore, I can become even less happy because I feel like I am not appreciative of everything that's great in my life. And it can become this vicious cycle that happens, you know, whenever I am trying to achieve happiness and purposefully, you know, catch it. So the question of this episode is why? Why is it that we are not fully satisfied and happy Every day when life is going great, when objectively everything in your life is good and you're healthy and your loved ones are healthy and you're just great. Shouldn't it be that if we are, you know, healthy, financially secure and have good relationships and a nice job, we should be smiling all the time? And well, I feel like to answer this question, I first need to introduce you to the concept of the hedonic adaptations or what is also called the hedonic treadmill. And it is based on the idea that we have a certain default level of well-being and happiness that we always come back to no matter how much we achieve or also how much we suffer. It's like you are on a treadmill. You walk and walk and walk and at the end of the day you are just where you started you keep walking but you don't really change your location and this is the idea that the objectively awesome things that happen to you not always 
feel awesome. Humans have this amazing ability to adapt and therefore we just get used to stuff, both the physical possessions that we buy and also the things we achieve. So we get used to the awesome lives that we live and they stop being so awesome. We just get used to them and they become our new normal. So when you have this objectively terrific thing that has happened to you, you can actually notice how at the beginning it makes you happier and you will have this warm feeling inside. However, just for a short while and then you will come back to feeling, you know, that normal. So this is the hedonic adaptations. And I think a lot of us, me included, just, you know, walk around basically shooting for the 10 out of 10 when it comes to the happiness scale and are thinking like, why can't I be the 10 out of 10 every day? And this is something that I have recently thought a lot about. And this is, you know, why I'm making this episode, because I've been recently feeling kind of guilty for, you know, feeling maybe not low, but not my, you know, not being over the moon and not being happy all the time even though my life is pretty awesome all things considered and I was thinking about what are the reasons why people can be unhappy when their lives are objectively great and I have found different answers and one is that the reason why it is impossible for our brain to always be at the maximum level is that if you were always you know in a 10 out of 10 and you never change, you wouldn't notice any change. And if you're asking why the need for change, well, the answer is that if we don't ever change, then we don't notice our absolute objective status. We only notice when we change from it. Uh, for example, you know, people who live in Southern California don't appreciate the weather anymore because you know it is perfect all the time. But when you live in you know the Northeast, you get enough sucky days that all of a sudden when it's sunny, you're like you know oh my gosh, it's so sunny and warm outside. How great is that? And your whole day is made. So because of the hedonic adaptations, if you would you know won the lottery every single day, it would just become your new normal and it wouldn't be something that made you happy anymore. So we can appreciate the lottery because the whole lives we have not won it and we appreciate the good days and the great weather because of the days where we are low and this is kind of biologically wired in our brain that we need that contrast. And the consequence of that is what the famous psychologist Danny Kahneman studied and called the diminishing sensitivity. It is, you know, the concept that we can get small changes that objectively feel good, but we just don't notice them. So, yeah, if you are always winning and the sun is always shining, you never notice these subtle changes. And so the other reason why we cannot be happy all the time is that being at the extreme end of the happiness spectrum is costly. It costs us more to get from 8 to 9 on the happiness scale than to get from 2 to 3. It's easier to move from 2 to 3. And that's because of the law of diminishing returns. 
So basically, you're going to be very, very happy when you earn your first $1,000. But then after that happens, if you would like to get that same happiness response again, it wouldn't work to earn another $1,000. You probably need to earn three or even four times as much to have that same level of satisfaction again. So according to the diminishing returns, going from 9 to 10 on the happiness scale is not going to be that much better than going from 7 to 8. So if your life is objectively great and you are healthy and your job is going great, it's going to be very hard for you to move even higher on the scale. But if your life is pretty shitty it's going to be easier for you to be happier. And that's why sometimes when our lives are going great, it's hard for us to be even happier and we just go back to that default state. But then the flip side of the law of diminishing returns and the hedonic adaptations is that we also get used to the circumstances that are pretty awful. And I think this is also a very important thing to mention. You know, these awful things, they don't continue to affect our psychology as bad as when they first happened. We learn to either cope with them better or we just get better at numbing the pain. So when you, for example, break up or when you lose your job, those things suck for a while and they feel like they're going to suck forever. But apart from our physical immunity we also have this amazing mental immunity and the things we predict are going to make us incredibly unhappy usually are not as bad as we think and sometimes they can even be a blessing i mean i'm sure you have heard about people who you know are disabled and who are survivors of terrible accidents that actually see these accidents as blessings I personally really like the story of J.R. Martinez, who suffered a terrible burn while he was in the army in Iraq. In the years following his accident, he had over 34 different surgeries, including multiple skin grafts and cosmetic surgeries, and he spent over three years in the hospital. But he says he sees his accident as a blessing. I mean, I would definitely not think of, you know, this young kid who at 19 wanted to go to the army before college and who suffered an accident because of which he wouldn't be able to, you know, go to the toilet by himself. And and he suffered through the rest of his life. I wouldn't see that as a blessing. But he says that his accident showed him what is important in life and that he shouldn't take it for granted. He started helping other burn survivors as a speaker. He became an actor. He got invited to Dancing with the Stars and he wrote a New York Times bestselling book about his story. And I remember that he said that when he was young he thought that he wanted to go to a great college he wanted to become rich and famous and all of that jazz but the life he lives right now with his beautiful wife and his daughter and when he's helping other people he said that he probably wouldn't be happier or maybe he would be even less happy than he is today if he got all of the things he initially wanted and i think you know that's the thing we have lottery 
winners who are miserable and who suffer with depression. And we have people who suffer terrible accidents who see them as blessing. Hedonic adaptations mean that the lows of life are not going to be as awful as you imagine, just as the highs will not be as temporary as you hope. We can get used to both the terrible and the amazing circumstances that we have in our life. And the only thing that differs when it comes to the millionaire and the person who is disabled is what you do with those circumstances. So I talked about why it is sometimes hard for us to be happy all the time, even if our life is great. But now I want to talk about how we can be actually happier and how we can fight the hedonic adaptations slash hedonic treadmill effect. And one thing that you want to do is you want to maximize the change, the change in happiness somehow. And it's optimal if that change is going in a positive direction, but you actually want it to go down sometimes too. Because another feature of this diminishing sensitivity, this diminishing returns, is the idea that we don't evaluate prospects or things in our lives in terms of their absolute value but we actually recognize them and represent them in terms of change so for example if i said to you right now i'll give you one million dollars you would be like oh my god that's awesome that's amazing thanks and you're going to be very happy but then if i said to you and now i'm going to give you two million dollars you would be like i mean that's awesome but you will not be you know like twice as happy and that is diminishing sensitivity and it means that for you to get that benefit from that extra million and the two million dollars I gave you, you would have wanted to go back to that baseline first. So it feels like two separate gains instead of one big gain. So what you want to do is split your gains. You don't want two million at once. You actually want the one million and then come back a couple of months later and get the another million. And as another example, because I feel like the money here is not really representative is that um, if you have two weeks of work to use as holidays you might want to actually split it and have three four days trips instead of taking that one huge vacation and doing nothing for two weeks and another practice that might help you get out of you know this happiness slum if I can say that is to do a variation of the three blessings exercise which I'm sure you have heard about it is just you know a practice where you list out three things you are grateful for and that is incredibly effective all on its own but I would also recommend doing what the stoics called negative visualization and that is the practice where you imagine all the terrible things that are going to happen in the day ahead of you. You imagine that, you know, your house is going to burn down, your partner is going to leave you and all that kind of things. That makes the gratitude practice even more effective. So what I would recommend is to combine these two practices and think about the things and the people that could disappear from your life or be destroyed and then think about how grateful you are that they actually are still here and nothing bad happened to them. So I think the Stoics were really into this idea that you don't necessarily have to change to notice the change. You don't have to be sad and you, ha you don't have to go from 8 on the happiness scale to 3 to notice how 
the eight is great. You could just imagine the change. So sometimes if you get the right negative visualization, that can make you more excited about the things you already have, as well as it can show you what things really matter to you. And you don't necessarily have to get that change from your real life. You can just make your current reference point seem better. And so now I want to come back to that first question of this episode. Why are we not happy when actually everything in our life is going great? And what can we do about that? And I feel like what helps when it comes to that is just accepting that this might be as good as it gets and that you are allowed to be happy right now. Even if you don't get promoted or get that new car, if we just stop thinking about how much happier we can be and stop asking, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? I think we can then realize that maybe the warm feeling that I have when I read a book in a bathtub or when I have a nice meal with my family or when the sun is shining on my face is all I need and I don't have to be, you know, ecstatic to be happy. And like I said, you are allowed. And I'm using the word allowed because I think these days through advertisement and through social media we are being fed this message that we cannot be happy until we have this kind of product or visit this kind of place or if we look a certain way and I definitely have struggled with realizing that I am allowed to be happy even when life is you know a little bit boring and when I'm just you know staying home I'm not buying myself anything I am not visiting anyone and I am just you know by myself I don't know commuting to the store or cleaning I'm actually allowed to be happy in these completely boring normal circumstances and I think this is also one of the reasons why when life is great, but it's not extremely awesome, when it's just normal life, I think we forget that we can be happy and we are allowed to be happy even when life is simple and when we are not going to parties and when we are by ourselves. I feel like over the years I learned that I feel the most happy and the most sustainably happy whenever the feeling kind of just appears on its own whenever I do not focus on trying to achieve it but when actually I just live my life when I focus on the work and focus on doing the things that make me feel good when I prioritize my health and my well-being and when I consistently practice the habits that I know are going to make me feel good I think trying to catch happiness and trying to always be the 10 out of 10 does not really work. And that is because happiness and joy do not come from everything in life working out for you perfectly. It actually comes from accepting the lows, learning from them, so you can experience more highs and then appreciating these highs when they happen. And I think this is what the yin-yang sign, the symbol of Taoism, is all about. I know that you know this sign. It has been completely, you know, overused and used in marketing. And people, I think, forgot the message that it gives. But I think the sign teaches us that 
there needs to be a balance between all things you know the night and day the fire and water and the suffering and the joy and even more than that I think the sign says that these things are interconnected, that there is joy and suffering and that there is suffering and joy. And both of these things are okay and they both can teach us a lot about ourselves and the world. And it's okay that sometimes we feel low because that only makes the highs brighter and better. So I think happiness is going to be elusive if we are constantly analyzing, do I have it yet? And do I have it yet? And I think we really need to get to a point where we are feeling grateful and we are noticing the good stuff in our lives and doing everything we can to savor what we have. However, constantly pushing and pushing and pushing to reach that 10 out of 10 might not necessarily be the best thing when it comes to happiness. So that is all I have to say about that. I hope that it was helpful and I hope that it taught you something about happiness. This has just been a couple of my thoughts about this topic and I hope that you can relate to my situation somehow because, yeah, the point of this show is to share my story and hope that some people can also learn from the mistakes and the lessons that I learn and I go through. So thank you so much for listening to that. And now when it comes to the insight of this week, uh, for anyone new here, the insight of this week is a segment in which I share something that I learned over the week or a weird situation or the realization that I had about something the past week. And this week I want to share my thoughts on traveling because that is mostly what I have done through the past month or so. I have taken some more time off and I've actually did not do what I should do with the hedonic adaptations and I should split my gains, like I said before in this episode, but it has kind of been impossible for me to do that. So I have just taken everything and kind of crammed it in uh, this one month. And then I went to Spain, then I went to Berlin, and then I went to Vienna. And my thoughts on traveling are that I really hate how traveling and tourism looks like right now where you just go to a city or a place and you go to these thirsty attractions and you get a tour of the castle and the church and you go to the art gallery and you just kind of take the pictures of everything and you want to see everything and you are just stressed that you need to see everything and you just go there and you see it and then what Actually, I learned that the way I like to travel is to not get a hotel and actually get a Airbnb and live the way I would live there if I was a citizen in that place. And I have just been enjoying that so much. So when I went to Vienna, you know, I've tried to... I went and found a yoga studio in English, which was great. And I met so many incredible people who lived in Vienna. Then I went to a Antonio Vivaldi Four Seasons concert in this great, amazing old church. And we have tried to get some bikes and bike around the city and focus on that instead of just, you know, going from one touristy attraction to another. And I've just been 
really enjoying that and I've just realized that this is what traveling is all about and the way that we have these packaged offers with you know the all-inclusive resorts where you are just closed up in the hotel and you don't really experience the culture and you don't live the way you would live as a citizen in a certain place I think this is kind of fucked up in a way so yeah I just thought that the way I want to travel is I want to do slow travel I would like to stay in a place for longer if I can but if I cannot that's still okay I would just like to take my time let go of you know wanting to see these thirsty attractions which I don't even enjoy to be honest and just kind of chill out and meet as many native people there and get to know them speak in their language ask them what they would recommend me do and spend time with them to get to know how they view the world and what they can teach me about their home and maybe my home too and I don't know I've always knew that before but this has been even more visible to me lately through all of my traveling and I hope that it can inspire you to travel in a different and maybe more sustainable way because the way that we buy uh, these you know packaged offers of travel I think is not really sustainable and the tourism industry is not a sustainable one so I think just you know hopping in a car or on a train and getting an Airbnb or you know a room or something is so much better and more sustainable for you know their environment but also for ourselves I think it's a better way to travel and I know that some people in different countries still have about a month or more of um, vacation or of holidays so if you have still not decided where and how you want to travel at the end of this summer I would really recommend you consider that way and a different approach to traveling. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and to my insight of the week. I really love each and every one of you. You look great today. Your smile just makes the whole world seem brighter. And I will speak to you in the next one. is edited and produced by Julia Spohr. If you want to learn more, visit the website attached in the episode description or visit our Instagram page, which you can find in the episode description or at beingbetter.pod. If you want to support the show, there are a couple of ways to do that. The first one, the best one, and the most effective one is just to tell your friends, your family, your enemies, and just people who you think might enjoy the show that you like it and why they might like it as well. You can also share it on your social media platforms. Another way to support us is to write a review, rate, and subscribe to the podcast because that helps with the algorithm and that helps new listeners find the show as well. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I will speak to you in the next one.